If you are ready to change the way people experience the transition to parenthood, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we interview postpartum professionals, academics and researchers, as well as parents with unique perspectives on postpartum. Whether you've been working with new families for decades or are brand new to postpartum care, we'd love you to join us. I'm your host, Julia Jones. Hi, and welcome to the Newborn Mothers podcast. Today's guest is Julia Jones, the CEO and founder of Newborn Mothers. My name is Dusk. I am the business manager at Newborn Mothers, and I will be interviewing Julia today on the year that has been and the behind the scenes of what it's been like to run her business this year. Welcome, Julia. Thank you, Dusk. That just made me really nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like that. Um, So today's episode is an opportunity just to hear from you. You are always the one interviewing others, but we want to shine the spotlight on you today, particularly around what it is like to run a business at this level in maternal care. And I guess to sneak behind the scenes and see, you know, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. Uh, And I'd like to start by kind of getting a sense of where were you at this time last year? Yes. So I've known for many years that at some point I would want to take the next leap in my business. For many years, I've been comfortably earning around $300,000 to $400,000 a year. I've had a very small team. I've worked very few and flexible hours. And it's been lovely. But I always had in the back of my mind, I was like, I know at some point I'm going to want to take the next leap. And this year, 2023, was the year to do that. But I also felt, as so many people do when they start or grow a business, so much resistance to that, like so much. And I've known for years what I've needed to do. And um, yet at some point you just have to do it. Like I, I just had to decide this is it. I'm going for it. Uh, And actually, Dusk, I think you were a bit the catalyst for that because um, I knew I needed a business manager. I knew I needed to upgrade the course and I knew that I needed to become a company uh, and and have employees rather than just contractors. So I knew all these things that had to happen. But I think that the thing that finally made me take the leap was actually I was meeting with my Facebook ad manager, Miranda, who also does a little bit of woo-woo like energy goal setting type work Uh, and she was the one who said to me one time why don't I was saying I I want to do all these things but I need a business manager and she's like well why don't you just put it out there you never know if the perfect person is just there just try it and so very informally without doing really a big position description or advertising far and wide I just sent an email out to my list I think I put it on my social pages and I was like let's just say what happens and dusk you arrived and then I was like, okay, we're doing it. This is it. Amazing. <laughs> we're on the roller coaster. <laughs> yes. So I guess having that that operational resource support was there, that external, you know, person that could be part of the implementation. I remember actually in an interview, you're like, I just need a right-hand woman. And I was like, well, I just want to be the right-hand woman. Like it was this perfect you know, kind of fusion. So you had, you knew that you had the operational support to put things in place, but what about that internal resistance of nervousness? What was that like for you, the personal journey? 
Yeah, it's very physical. I think um, the older I get, the more I realise it's, and it's not complicated, is it? But when you're sick, sometimes you have a tummy ache because you're actually worried or you have a headache because you're nervous or, you know, you feel nauseous because you're, you're scared. And um, so, yeah, it was a very physical experience. And my kind of philosophy to approaching these things is to take action. I, I feel like the best way to overcome fear is to actually take the action. The more I dwell on those bodily sensations, the less likely I would actually be to overcome them. So kind of my biggest two strategies early on, one was moving my body, dancing, running around, not running, I don't run, run, but what I mean is just being silly and star jumps and jumping around, using up my energy, going for swims, going for walks, mostly dancing. Like anytime I'd feel that physical feeling, I literally had a few songs that I would put on and I'd just like just jump around the room. But then take action because if I waited till the feeling subsided until I didn't feel afraid before doing it, I just don't think I would ever take action. So instead I'm like, all right, well, take the action. And then I know that it's usually not as bad as I think it's going to be. <laughs> and then the fear um, kind of goes away because you've, you've tested it. You're like, oh, you know, there's no actually no monsters in the dark, you know, like the, all these things I was worried about didn't actually happen Maybe some something did happen, you know, but not all the things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then I don't feel so afraid anymore. So I've always just kind of like had that approach to fear that like, you know, if you're scared, then you you take a step and see if that fear is real. Yeah, absolutely. So then what was that first action that you took once you had your business manager and me in place? What was the next action you took? Well, we um we committed to upgrading the course. So for a long time, I've been teaching a six-module postpartum education course alongside a, a six-module breastfeeding course, which is actually only four new modules because two of them were the same. And I knew that I wanted the breastfeeding content to be included in the main course for everyone. And I also knew we needed a mental health um, module and a sleep module. And I also knew I wanted to add something about um advocacy and sustainability that became the, the 12th and final module and so uh that transition committing to creating a 12 module world leading educational resource on postpartum care when there really isn't anything else out there so again it's like it's not like I can kind of look at what other people have done because it doesn't exist so that's always been kind of like quite a hallmark of working in postpartum care and I'm sure lots of listeners feel that too they're like when I started out as a postpartum doula, there was no one else in my town or I really want to work in this area, but there's just like no one else doing anything like what I I want to see. Um, so, yeah, having that vision and committing to creating that 12-module course, bringing on the new contractors, the educators, the new uh, employee, which was you, and um, working with my um, amazing uh, assistant Francis who's been with me for five years to upgrade that course it's kind of like a bit scary because um once I committed to it and I started selling it I was on deadlines every week to actually create it which was a you know a big long um and quite stressful time I won't lie I knew that I was heading in for a stressful time I had cleared the decks I told my husband you know, this is what my work's going to look like. You need to do school pickup and drop off. And, you know, it's going to be a year where, um, and then 
after that year we can shift gears again which you know now we're coming into that next stage but but it is a bit scary kind of knowing like all right we're, we're jumping on now we're, we're doing it we're committing and you can't really get off till it's done <laughs> yes and can I think I really want you to just go over that process where you decided not to create the course and then sell it but to pre-sell the course and create it as after people had a had bought it because often we think oh I can't sell something that's not there yet how did you go about that decision yeah well it is a bit of a risk and I know there's lots of business people who wouldn't actually recommend it I also just know my own personality and that if I don't have a deadline I won't finish it Um, so I know from 15 years of experience in business that if I said I was going to create a course and there was no external pressure to do that, I I would just go to the beach. I'm naturally not a busy person, <laughs> but I am a very ambitious person. So the only way those two things in me can be satisfied, the, the need to have big goals and huge ambition, but also the need to have actually quite a quiet and simple life, the only way I can make that work for me is to pre-sell. And I've always done that with everything that I've ever done. I pre-sold my recipe book. I pre-sold my first online course. You know, I've, I've always pre-sold everything that I've I've ever done. The only thing I didn't pre-sell was my second book. And that was actually only because it was a failed crowdfunding <laughs> campaign. And because that crowdfunding campaign failed, it took me probably an extra year to finish that project both financially and also because I then didn't have a deadline um you know so I mean that's what happens if if I don't have that external pressure so yeah I sold it and we just told everyone there was going to be a module every week and a break every three weeks starting on this date we tried to get I think the first three or so done um ahead of time and then we did try and stay a little bit ahead, but honestly, by the end of the 12 weeks, it was uh, a mad panic every Monday to get the content out, which yeah. I think you have to kind of like um, make sure that your team is okay with that as well because it it doesn't just put pressure on me. It puts pressure on you, Dusk, as well as Francis and our educators. Um, but also I think letting go of some perfectionism really helps with that and um Letting go of any shame because sometimes we didn't actually meet our deadlines and we would just honestly say to our students, look, we're going to have one more rest week this week because we haven't finished our content. You're just going to have to wait one week for this module. But overall, I think the modules were so good and I was very confident because I've been working in postpartum for 15 years. I was very confident that the educational content was excellent. It was not available anywhere else in the world. And and so having that behind me made me feel like, well, look, if it's a week late, um, uh, that's okay. You know, like I feel sorry, um, I feel bad about it, but I'm not going to spend, you know, energy on shame and guilt because we're just, we're all doing our best. We're all busy, um, you know, people with families and, and personal lives and sicknesses and things come up uh, and, you know, I know that, I know in my heart, the work is good and I'm doing my best and that's all you can ever do yeah amazing yeah well and it was incredible to to witness you know this um this grace you know that you had on yourself because so you know my working history has been being in organizations where 
you you go for gold and you make it happen at all costs. But I really respected how, you know, something might come up in your personal life and you'd say, all right, everybody, we're changing the timeline because I'm prioritising this. And it felt very, uh, yeah, very unique. I, I felt like it was a real example of of bringing in, you know, the kind of leadership that, that we want to see in our political system, in our education system, where you you acknowledge and hold that tension between ambition and, you know, this life of calm and joy that you want to live. Yeah, it's an interesting one that all costs is a good way to put it because it's always been, I've always known that my business, I want to earn heaps of money, I want to make a massive impact. Um, but the reason I want to do that is because I want to have like a healthy, happy life. I want to spend time with my family. I want to have hobbies, you know, I want to go on holidays. Like, so that's, you know, that's why it's not at all cost because I, my ambitious goals don't mean that those things don't matter. You know, that's, that, that's not acceptable to me. And I started this business as a solo business being really kind to myself. I always say this to people, if you're self-employed, you're both the boss and you're the employee and you're a good boss to yourself because a lot of self-employed people don't give themselves superannuation, don't give themselves sick days, um, don't uh, like allow themselves enough breaks between clients, you know. They're not good bosses to themselves and, you know, like if you think about it, you'd probably be a better boss to someone else than you would to yourself, you know. But um, I'd had a lot of practice of being a solo business owner and and having that idea of I'm going to be a good boss to myself. I'm going to be the boss to myself that I would want in a workplace. And so then adding more people to that workplace, that was just a natural extension of saying it's okay to be sick. It's okay if your kids are sick. It's okay if you've had, you know, your car's broken down or you've got a, an appointment or, you know, you're just pooped today that's okay we'll do it tomorrow so yeah it was kind of like the way that I've I've spent many years you know cultivating that attitude as an as a boss to myself um so then that just naturally extends to to you and to Francis and everyone else as well yeah absolutely and it feels very countercultural, and I am loving it I love being able to take sick days because you're the one saying no don't work through you know go lie down or um you know, on the first day of my menstrual cycle, being able to say, oh, I'm going to take a step back and and use this part of my cycle to focus on this area of the business. And you're like, go for it. I can't wait to see what you what you notice. It it gives so much flexibility and life to to all of us as we as we build it together. Are you loving this podcast? Then you'll love my book, also called Newborn Mothers. I wrote it for pregnant families preparing for postpartum. It's about brain changes, village building, cultural care, and navigating the transformation to motherhood. You can find out more about my books, including the best price plus shipping to wherever you live in the world at newbornmothers.com slash books. Yeah, and my belief is ultimately that that actually increases productivity as well, because we're doing we're doing the work that's aligned and I know that like dusk when you're ticking off tasks you just fire through them so fast like you know it's amazing to watch but then sometimes it will be a few days when you've got a migraine and not much is happening but I know that the day that you're back at your desk and you're ready you'll work twice as fast so there's no point actually trying to push through yeah yeah that's amazing so 
So then coming back to your, you know, your working hours, I think you mentioned earlier, you know, some sometimes you work 10 hours a week. Um, what? How do you decide, you know, what was your working hours last year and what have they been this year and how do you choose when it's a, a maintenance phase and a growth phase? Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of it is it's just cyclical because starting a business is always a growth stage. And um, so for me, I'm in kind of like the third stage of my business. I started my business as a postpartum doula. I worked in people's um, homes. You know, I cooked for them. I did massage, all the typical doula stuff. I ran mother circles. I did that for about five years and then I launched online. And um, I did that for about 10 years. So it was getting very comfortable for me. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, my kids were all a bit older, all in school. I think that's the other thing. It was sort of, you know, when when does my personal life allow for this? My husband got a different job that meant that we had that he had a little bit more flexible hours. Uh, so I knew I was ready for the next big leap, the next growth stage, which is, um, you know, the new the new course, setting up as a company, having employees. So I think, um, how do you know when you're ready? I think it's just when. When you've got a little bit of a capacity to do it, but also you do just need that little nudge because, to be honest, I could have done this at any point in the last few years. It's probably been, I've probably been quite comfortable for a few years and, and I could have found the time, but um, you just also kind of have to have some kind of little nudge that gets you started as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also I like to close those growth stages too. So I know Dusk in our business at the moment because I have been working more hours. I've been tracking my hours this year because I've been trying to work more than 30 hours rather than my usual sort of 20 or even 10. Um, and that's just because we've had some big, um, you know, goals to achieve. But then I like to mark the end of that as well. So that business doesn't become the long-term cultural norm in the workplace. Mm. Um, so we're kind of wrapping up for Christmas. We're all taking a good break over the summer holidays uh, and looking at now just much more going back to those um, standard operating procedures, the maintenance, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, things that need to happen saying no to all kinds of new projects and really deliberately um, just slowing down again. Yeah. Mm, It's amazing that you can make that decision knowing that if you stay in the growth stage, you know, that's what leads to burnout. Yeah, that's it. It it has to be, there's no way you can do that forever. So it's okay to go like, great, this is my six months or this is my year. This is the stage that I'm in. It's hard. These are the extra supports I'm putting around myself to be able to do it. And there's an end to that as well. Now, this is the sort of thing that you teach in the mastermind, which was another another element to the growth phase of this year, starting the Newborn Mothers Mastermind. Can you speak a little bit to what that experience has been like for you and why you even started a mastermind? Yeah, I have run masterminds in the past. Um, Often the way I'll teach things is I'll start working one-on-one with people and then after I've had enough experience, then I can figure out how to sort of systemize it. I can say, okay, I'm getting the same questions. I'm repeating the same things. I'm always sharing these same resources or this same kind of checklist. And then eventually that can become 
um, something that is not one-on-one but is one-to-many. So again, from the beginning, I had one-on-one clients and then I started teaching. I actually started teaching postnatal education to mums originally, not to professionals, and then that moved on to professionals. And so it's the same with teaching business skills. I started out running a mastermind where I was teaching uh, not one-on-one but one in a small group Um but all live, getting feedback, sharing my knowledge, people asking questions and teaching them how to start their postpartum business. So that was my first mastermind. And then um, I took six months off to travel in 2021. It was meant to be in 2020, but um, we had to delay it for a year for obvious reasons. (laughs) So in 2020, I stopped doing that mastermind because um, I was going to take a big break from work. And then we restarted the mastermind this time because uh, I was ready to teach new. um, Oh, and then that's been systemized. So that's now the membership. What I used to teach people in those small groups is now um, turned into lessons, curriculum, modules, worksheets, you know, because I've taught it enough times to enough people that I've managed to systemize it. So now I'm now I'm in the process of systemizing. How do you then scale to having a multiple six figure business? because I've been doing that myself for many years now, but I'm not still experienced with teaching it. I still don't know exactly what those steps are. So the first step for me learning how to teach it is teaching it to small groups. They can ask their questions. You know, I can give feedback. We, you know, we do this um, this constant iterational process of improving and tweaking and figuring out what those pillars are Um you know, I don't know if I'll ever turn it that into an actual systemized course. I'm not really sure where that will land, but but it has been a great joy to sort of make explicit the things that I've learned and do in my business, having run a six-figure business for so many years. Sometimes you even forget what they are, you know, when you've just been doing it for so long. And actually, Dusk, you've been quite helpful because you're like, oh, like, why do you do it like this? And then I'm like, oh, I didn't even think to explain that to you, but this is the reason. Um, so, yes, that's what we're doing in the mastermind, teaching people who have established businesses who, um, you know, already have a website, they already know how to sell, they already have clients, and they want to do something bigger. They usually both they want to have a bigger impact on the world they also want to make more money um and so how do we then systemize those those ideas and turn them into yeah and and i guess the biggest reason for me to do that is being so rare in the world as a successful maternal care business uh i want i just want more of that i want that to be a normal thing that people know is a real job that they can go and you know have a real career that makes plenty of money that they can um make a difference and they can buy a home uh, and that caring work isn't mutually exclusive of being cared for yourself you know like that you can actually do both so um you know i don't think it's really fair to make people choose like you have to be an engineer and you can eat food and pay the bills, you know, or you can work in a caring profession and be homeless. No, that's not acceptable to me. So that's really what the mastermind is about, is really like demonstrating and um, teaching people that that this is possible. Amazing. It's been incredible to see, you know, all, all of the things that you do 
in newborn mothers to just so open-handedly share that with the masterminders so that they too can yeah build successful maternal care businesses that not only have an impact but make money like you said so then the third thing that was big for you this year was transitioning from a sole trader to a company why on earth did you decide to bury yourself in paperwork to do that this year yeah I'll be totally honest it's not my favorite thing running a company but uh, because I had a tax problem. I mean, that's when you start a company. I was earning so much profit as a sole trader that I needed to find some better ways to manage my taxes. I mean, that's why you transitioned to being a company. Um, so we now have a family trust and a company and the company employs, um, it actually employs me as well now as uh, my my team. I now have two employees as well as, well, three, including me. And, um, and Frances, who is actually still a subcontractor, but that's just because she's overseas. So it's um, a slightly different arrangement that we have with her. And so um, I would always say delay starting a company until you have a tax problem. Lots of people start companies earlier, but the amount of tax, uh, sorry, not tax, the amount of financial advice, legal advice, the time and the cost of that is 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 a lot. Um, so really only do it when you need to do it. Don't, you know, keep your business simple while you can. Um, so yeah, that's been interesting, learning to write employment contracts, understanding payroll, understanding what a family trust is and, and how I pay company tax as well as personal tax, as well as employee taxes and superannuation. Like I said, not my favorite thing, but it is just part of growing up. It's part of like kind of going, all right, I want my business to grow and these are the skills that I have to learn. And and I'm quite um, a stubborn person in that I do, like my husband's often like, why don't you just tell Dusk to do that? She's the business manager. <laughs> and I'm like, no, because I like to understand it. Once I understand it, I'll be able to say, great, Dusk, we've got a new employee. Here's how you can prepare the contract or whatever. Yeah. But not that I plan to have more employees. I, I still want to keep things quite lean. <laughs> um, but for now, I think all the way through in my business, I even started out doing a little bit of my own bookkeeping, not much, but just enough because I want to be able to look at my bookkeeping and understand what it means. I want to be able to look at my employment contracts and understand what it what they mean you know why is that line there why do we do it like this and um and after that then yeah I'll systemize it and I'll outsource it yeah. um, during this growth year it's been a big learning curve because I've been you know I mean I'm getting legal and financial advice but I am doing the nuts and bolts of it myself yeah and it's great to hear I think well it's encouraging to hear you know particularly for those of us that are still in those early years of, of running our own businesses that no matter how big you get, there's always stuff that, you know, you're learning and you're growing into, uh, even if it, it's, you know, huge amounts of paperwork and, and legal things. So, yeah. Now, we have been going for a while. So to kind of bring this to a close, I have two questions which we you will be familiar with because we ask them at the end of our meetings when we remember. And that is, what are you most proud of this year and what are you most thankful for? in your business well most thankful for you dusk it's oh. funny we, um, <laughs> we do at dinner time every night we often do a, a, what, what do you appreciate and um what are you proud of we do it at home as well and um 
for a long time after I employed you, my kids would joke like, oh, mum's just going to say dusk again. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it has been such a huge help having someone like you, not only for the project management side of things, but also because you have a nuanced understanding of maternal care. And um, that's been really valuable as well, because I know that I could have hired someone who just did the project management side of things. And I, I've had people like that in my team in the past. Um, but the real blessing is someone who can also really understand the context that we're working in, which is quite unique. So I really appreciate that. Uh, what am I proud of? Oh, I'm just proud of doing it. Like it's, it is like, I mean, obviously I, delayed and procrastinated for years <laughs> um but at some point you know I just decided to start and um once you get on that roller coaster you just can't get off till it's finished so yes. uh, I'm glad I just got on it and then once you get on it well the momentum just takes you along like you know you can't stop you just have to kind of keep pedaling so yes we started and now we're finished and um and I'm glad I did it, even though it was like honestly quite a stressful year. You know, I always teach people really low stress business stuff as much as I can. But I also acknowledge there are stages of life and stages of business that there just is going to be more stress. Uh, this has been one of them. And, you know, I'm proud we all got through it in one piece. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely proud of what you created. You know, the postpartum education and care professional training is just magnificent and, you know, the masterminders, seeing them, you know, create their own vision and, and hopes for the world is, is so wonderful to see. And then to be part of this company where you've been able to hire me is just such a gift. And I often say how thankful I am for you as well in this work because it's amazing to be able to bring, you know, my skills into this passion for maternal care and being able to be part of not just the, you know, the, the, the impact in the family home and community, but also the impact of our culture. And really, you are part of shaping a society that values and honours mothers and caregivers. And that's incredible to be part of. Yeah, I'm going to add one more thing that I'm proud of. I'm proud that my business pays my mortgage. You know, like it's pretty amazing to be able to buy a house. But then also Antonia has been putting off as my other employee on houses at the moment too. So being able to give a pay slip to other women, you know, working in maternal care so that they can also build, you know, better futures and more stability financially. It's just like, I just think what a privilege that I'm able to do that. And I think at the beginning of the year, it felt, like a responsibility I felt stressed about that and now at this end of the year I feel so blessed I feel so lucky that I um that I have the opportunity to not only do that for myself and my family but to do that for other people too yeah absolutely and I would say yes luck is always a factor but I see you know your skills your expertise and how hard you work and I think luck only accounts for some of that because you've worked really hard to bring this into existence. Maybe not hard, you <laughs> really smart. <laughs> yes, you worked consistent action. You worked with consistent action, which consistent, is your thing. Consistent and imperfection, imperfect action. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, but not hard. We try not to do things the hard way. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Dusk. <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks so much for getting behind the mic and sharing the behind the scenes of newborn mothers. Thanks. 
Here at Newborn Mothers, we believe that every family has the right to high quality postpartum care. If you want to join us, learn more at newbornmothers.com. And if you like this podcast, we'd really love you to leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.